Hi, my name's Sean. I'm calling from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. We're just conducting some quick census surveys in your area. I was wondering if you had a few seconds to chat. Great. If you could describe yourself, would you say you're the owner-occupier, owner-landlord, or the resident? Resident. And how many people are residing at the property? Four. And how many of those could be classed as dependents? Two. And what is the main occupation of the owner of the household? Evil. Did you just say evil? Evil. I could have sworn you just said evil again. Evil. Uh, uh, sorry, I don't have that on the list. Do you mind if I just get my supervisor? I'm just going to chuck you on hold. Hello. My name is Reggae Jack Nicholson. I am a supervisor here, and I'm looking to find out what's making you so eerie. Marilyn Manson can walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say... Oh, wow. Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to pay scale. Take a look around! Dodge this. Welcome to Take a Look Around. A cinematic look at the cross-section of where new metal and cinema reside evilly my name is al bates and you're as usual joined by my very dear friend my confidant and the junior vice ceo of take a look around industries sean campion sean how are you i am fantastic today i am resident evil chapter six levels fantastic <laughs> but sean that's the most derived oh wait, are we talking movies or games i think it's kind of equal at this point look we, we've let the cat out of the bag early before we kind of dive into it sean are there any upcoming new metal movies i'm so glad that you asked me that because i really need a chance to redeem myself much like the resident evil franchise because really i've let did. the cat out of the bag early and i need a chance to kind of get my head back in the game and, and let the listeners know what we're all about and what i'm all about <laughs> is getting a drum roll oh you got it <laughs> Okay, for the year of our Lord, 2020, we have passed the halfway point of the year. Oh, wow. We are closer to oblivion than <laughs> ever before. So close. And guess what we've got, Al? No new metal movies? We have one new metal what? <laughs> what? What movie? <laughs> Two friends of the pod have reached out to me over the last week and let me know that the Netflix original, The Old Guard, starring Charlize Theron as the leader of a group of immortal, uh, I want to say, guerrilla SEAL Team 6 guys Sweet. that have been battling the forces of darkness for 10,000 years 
is incredibly new metal. Oh, damn. It's got gunplay, it's got kung fu, it's got, <laughs> like, ridiculous metal soundtrack. Charlize Theron, of course, of Aeon Flux, an upcoming new metal film we will be covering on this podcast. I haven't checked it out just yet. I did watch the trailer, and you know what? I gotta tell you, this uh, this looks pretty, pretty snazzy. Pretty, pretty good. Oh, yeah, the old guard or Aeon Flux? Uh, the old guard. All oh, right, yeah. Aeon Flux is about 15 <laughs> years old, pal. <laughs> uh, well, that's fantastic news, Sean. I think things are only going to get better for the human race and Western and Eastern, all the civilizations. Let's just say we're all inclusive over here. Speaking of Charlize Theron, here's our mailbag segment. <laughs> down with the mailbag. Come on, come on, get down with the mailbag. Come on, get up down with the mail bag. Something like that. So we have been asked by friend of the show Ruby Innes, uh, or girlfriend of the show Ruby Innes. That's right, uh, our girlfriend. <laughs> what? <laughs> she asks, "Is there a new metal movie so bad that you guys won't do an episode about it?" All these movies are so bad, so at what point do you guys draw the line? First of all, Ruby, great point. Second of all, (laughs) fuck you. These movies rule. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what I said. (laughs) Um, Third of all, Al, do you have an answer for the mailbag? Can we confess to that we had an episode up our sleeve and we didn't do it because... (laughs) Yeah, I think we definitely can. We were going to do Butterfly Effect, but uh, it it, it was uh, just so... You you said it was... um, grubby (laughs) i think everyone listening to this podcast has got pretty fond memories of i want to say the slipknot donnie darko movie Mm. the butterfly effect starring ashton kutcher okay it was recently added to netflix so we thought that this would be the best time yeah (laughs) to do this film like it's definitely been requested this film is fucked it yeah, does not really... hold up there is some incredibly confronting child abuse yeah. within the first seven minutes of the film not to mention extreme violence towards children yeah a dog is burned alive several times <laughs> several <laughs> times but they make light of prison sexual assault but like it, it like we 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 enjoy a good tasteless film. I'm sure you're all very aware, but a lot of the themes in that episode we would not have been able to have done. Not Forty grace- minutes in, and there was nothing to goof on. Yeah, it, yeah like was... I mean, the guy from My Name Is Earl plays a goth roommate, but. He's never the butt of any jokes. He's a cool-ass fucking dude who gets (laughs) laid all the time. Like, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So to answer your question, at the moment, it's just the butterfly effect. But, well, if you're curious, just let it... We're telling you, like, it's pretty fucking tasteless. (laughs) and It's really, really quite confronting. You don't have rose-coloured glasses. You've got rose-coloured binoculars on this movie. (laughs) This has not withstood the test of time whatsoever. No. Sorry, Cooch. I refuse to play your Chinese food mind game. Yeah, you won't cancel us this time, guys. (laughs) One step ahead of you. Anyway, speaking of rose-coloured glasses that turned into (laughs) rose-coloured binoculars, it's Resident Evil! Play trailer! 
deep underground. In a top secret research lab, security has been breached. A deadly virus capable of contaminating the entire world has been released. Oh my god. We have to get out of this building. Who's that? It's the brakes! Who's the Red Queen? State-of-the-art artificial intelligence. The corporation's keeping a few secrets down here. But they have only three hours left before it begins infecting and mutating the whole human race. Everyone stay calm. You have to get out. Don't listen to anything she says. She's a holographic representation of the Red Queen. Maybe our only way out of here. How is she still standing? She isn't standing now. Going to die down here. So, Sean, before we get kind of stuck into the movie, are you a fan of the Resident Evil franchise at all? Do you have, like, any childhood fondness of it? Well, I was never grew up with any game consoles. I was wow. definitely aware of the name Resident Evil because I was aware that video games existed. It's a massive franchise basically pioneering the survival horror video game. I never played them as a kid. Uh, I knew that these films were existing and even during Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead 28 days later, 28 weeks later, nothing in my body ever prompted me to ever track down these films yeah right okay i've only recently started the games and i love them there's great mythos yeah, there's backstory fun, but... i wonder if this movie will draw upon any of that <laughs> do you like 28 weeks later by the way yeah it's sick it's, yeah, it's probably so good, right? along with contagion the most prescient film for our current pandemic landscape. Yeah. I think a lot of people should have a look at 28 Weeks Later as an interesting look at what life would be like in in a post-pandemic government-controlled world. Yeah. Yeah, sure. They're going to put microchips in your arms, refluoridate the water. I mean, it's all going to happen. Yeah, I mean, a retweet <laughs> is not an endorsement, but I, I, I know that I can speak for both Al and I when I say that... Uh, we shouldn't be wearing masks. That uh, <laughs> Masks are un-Australian and they're inhumane. I'm not an animal to be put a muzzle on. Thank you for standing up for our rights, Sean. Um, it's specifically something that Al said to me that he believes in yeah. that I uh, took wholeheartedly based on how strongly he worded it to me off mic. Yeah, well, look, talking about people with viruses, I guess I'll tell you about my experience with 
the Resident Evil franchise. Uh, as a child, we had homestays who lived with us for a while, and one of them oh. brought it. Yeah, man. I only come to see school to be object of lust for poor nerds who cannot get American pussy. One of them, Gilbert, brought his PlayStation, and he had a game called Biohazard. I remember playing it with him and just being absolutely fucking terrified. Uh, I think maybe six or so months later, it came out as Resident Evil, in maybe in Western countries. Yeah, Biohazard's the Japanese title. Yeah, yeah. Recently, I've been playing the 2 and 3 remaster, and I just finished 7. I kind of realized, like, I've played pretty much all of the Resident Evil games, and it might even be one of my favorite franchises. It's kind of like, I don't know if you ever used Last FM, but every now and then you'll just look at a stat and be like, oh, wow, I guess I did listen to Oasis like a thousand times in 2012. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Big year for you, huh? 2012? Yeah. Definitely, maybe. Yeah, man. Like, I, I really love this franchise, and I've seen all the movies prior to this as well, so uh, it was kind of like meeting up with an old friend well that's going to be good then because i haven't seen any of the films i have played barely any of the games so let's sure. get stuck into it that don't impress me much. So the film opens in probably the most interesting way that this film could which is a bit of title text read over by uh, friend of the film, Jason Isaacs, <laughs> yeah. about the Umbrella Corporation. Now, this is, I mean, it's no stupider than calling a company Apple, but Resident Evil is similar to the Metal Gear franchise in that they do have the most ridiculous titles for characters, places, settings. The Umbrella Corporation is housed in Raccoon City. Yeah. Yeah, stick with me here, people. <laughs> they also control 90% of the world's technologies, firms, uh, pharmaceuticals. But all of this, as we learn from an opening title scroll, is actually all funded by deep, top-secret military research. Over the top of this, we see a lot of, I want to say, B-shots from Alias or NCIS <laughs> of people working in a lab. Someone throws away what looks like a, a toy canister of DNA. Yeah, the, the toilet duck kind of thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it looks like you chuck it in your toilet to get rid of skid marks, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> Not that I know about skid marks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Al me <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah, I mean, this is like this whole, I'm, you know, I'm going to say it, deep state laboratory <laughs> where um, the MacGuffin of the film, I guess, the, or the propelling agent even, the T-virus gets leaked. Um, this underground office suddenly thrown into disarray as everyone gets infected by the t-virus which turns people into zombies this whole sequence this initial 15 minutes as the t-virus breaks out in this underground laboratory and office of the umbrella corporation is supposed to pay homage to one of the early aspects of the resident evil games which is that they're all from fixed camera angles to ramp up the tension so all of this sequence these sequences all take place from bizarre angles of security cameras mm. and some of the worst possible digital after effects work on the actual 
cameras themselves which zoom in on people and give their id badges at one point when someone's dying an animatic appears on screen that says mortality rate decreasing oh it's just it's so corny and it's not a great way to start the movie (laughs) see this is where i disagree because in the opening sequence that lady gets her head crushed by the elevator and like I forgot how gnarly and nasty this movie is. Like, how just grotty and made by the guy who did fucking Event Horizon. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. A fun bit of trivia I read about those little animatics at the start is that LMX Industries, the visual effects supervisation company they got to do the work, uh, had to completely start over with all their work because of the amount of spelling mistakes. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This film is... We'll talk about the budget a little later. (laughs) Yeah, I guess from here, the protagonist, Alice, who, as far as we can... Well, as far as I know and have read, is not based off any other Resident Evil character and was made specifically for the film. But uh, who was played by Mila Jokovich wakes up inside this empty mansion. Sorry, how'd you pronounce that? Uh, Mila Jokovic? Hell yeah! <laughs> Looks like I'm not the only one on the podcast fucking it up! <laughs> Alright, is it Mi- a Djokovic or... Mila Jolovich? It's false. Wait, really? No way. Not this time. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to like those voicemails I left her. <laughs> Mila, call me back. <laughs> So, Mila Jolovich wakes up on the grounds of her, I want to say, shower in a a eerie old mansion. She has no memory of who she is. She doesn't know where she is, who she is, what she's doing there. She proceeds to find and uncover a whole fuck ton of guns and a sweet red dress. She couldn't find anything else except... (laughs) A very yeah. scantily clad red dress, could she? Well, but I guess it's kind of like in the games, though. Like, all the characters are so scantily clad, so I thought it was like a... From here, she runs into one of the other protagonists of the film, Eric Mabius's Matt, who, after seconds after they meet each other, they're ambushed as Marilyn Manson and Mario Beltrami's... Sorry, Marco Beltrami's incredible industrial metal score just deafens your ears a a costume SWAT team bursts through the window of this eerie mansion and absolutely fuck their shit up yeah it rocks (laughs) this is where uh it's kind of revealed that this haunted mansion is actually the entryway to uh, the umbrella office building that's underground live um we get b-list tony todd like, yeah, what have I seen that guy in? Like, it was killing me. He's in all of the Pierce Brosnan James Bond films. Yep, yep. He's one of the MI6 dudes. I know exactly who he is now. This character's name, whose name is One, all of the SWAT teams all just refer to each other by a number. Uh, he informs them that the Umbrella Corporation ha- is controlled by an AI known as the Red Queen has unleashed the virus upon the Umbrella Corporation and they have got an hour and 30 minutes to 
stop the Red Queen before she releases the virus on the rest of the world. It's it, it's a little murky what they're what they have to do here. I know yeah, that I... they have to go into the hive and. Couldn't they have just flushed the hive down the toilet? It seems like that's what the hive wanted to do. The hive was doing fine. It has its own security system. Yeah, well, I was under the impression that um, the AI was hacked into and had gone rogue, which is yeah, what, uh, which is actually what happens. Isn't it? My bad. We watched the same movie. <laughs> so yeah, they gotta unhack the creepy computer lady, the Red Queen, who's like the classic grudge style little girl who's i think i texted you she's a holographic greta thunberg yeah yeah and she's saying how the virus will help humanity restore to like a manageable level and it's just one of those uh weird population control kind of boomers um <laughs> you're all going to die down here you ruined my childhood yeah <laughs> anyway along for the ride we stumble upon james purefoy's character uh spence who has some secret history with at Jolovich's alice it's at that point where the characters of Matt, Spence, and Kaplan are all standing next to each other, and it dawned on me that every single male actor in this film looks exactly the same as each other. Yeah, it's crazy. They have no defining characteristics to set them apart in any way. Everyone has a lot of teeth. <laughs> JD as well. There's, yeah. there's four different male characters standing next to each other who don't have any motivation to be any kind of a different character to each other. And this film has a stacked deck. Resident Evil is all about being on your own in like these creepy environments and working your way up. And this film just throws ten people at you and tells you you have to give a shit about them. I guess it doesn't capture the spirit of the game in that regard. We are forgetting the introduction of the year before this, The Fast and the Furious, is Michelle Rodriguez. Oh yeah, she's in it as well. An absolute standout from this era that always leaves a mark on any film she's in. There's some incredible set pieces from here on out. I know everyone is thinking, of course, of the laser grid sequence. Pew! Laser shield. Yeah. <laughs> I am. <laughs> that bit rocks. <laughs> it is easily the high point of this film. If, if this is its Blade's blood rave, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> for, the, for the uninitiated, a group of the SWAT team wander into this corridor, which then becomes... Laser corridor. <laughs> becomes a laser corridor with this laser that is working like a Rubik's Cube around them, mm. cutting off various body parts that they have to duck out of the way only for B-list Tony Todd to, at the very last second, be confronted by a laser lattice that yeah. cuts him into a million different so sweet. pieces. So <laughs> sweet. style, baby. Yeah. Yum, yum. <laughs> I mean, that shit like Kobayashi. Um, <laughs> no, man. That, that's like... That bit rocks so much. Like, I... Look, I'm going to confess. 
This film, I enjoy it. It's I know we're jumping ahead, but there are so many funny, dumb bits in this film that I am constantly entertained, <laughs> even though it's uh, it still feels like a long 90 minutes. Can you tell Sorry. how dour I'm sounding? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Is it bringing you down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, the laser... The laser dicing is really the highlight, and then all of a sudden they're getting chased by dogs and Milojovich karate chops the dogs to the head. Let's just call her Miller. No, let's call her Alice. Her name is Alice in the movie. Let's not embarrass ourselves with her name any further. Uh, They somehow figure out that Spencer betrayed everybody. So Spencer, it's revealed that he found out that Alice was actually going behind the back of everyone to sell out the Umbrella Corporation for right. being this, like, top-secret military-industrial complex deep state, deep state thing. She went Snowden on him. Yeah, baby. So <laughs> Spence didn't want to lose his meal ticket, so he stole copies of the T-Virus and then launched it into the world so he could sell it on the open black market and cover his tracks. Didn't quite work out for you, though, Spence, as uh, you get your shit fucking rocked by a liquor, one of the stand-up bad guys from the video game franchise. It's just a dude with a big tongue, if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of, it's like an angry dog slash frog with a giant tongue. And normally in the game, you fight like several of them at once, but this one is a giant one, and they fight it like they would in a most Resident Evil games by just doing one action over and over and over again it's, <laughs> uh, before throwing it out of a door. And then the movie finishes pretty much. They get back up to the top of the Resident Evil, the scary mansion, and then get arrested by SWAT. Like, it literally goes in such a circular fashion that it starts the same way that it finishes. <laughs> it literally starts on the same chess set floor indicating that they have finished the game. They're no longer... Where Alice starts, where she wakes up, is one side of a chess set floor, and by the end of the film, she's at the other. It's an incredibly stupid film school like <laughs> vibe for the pawn becoming the king, yeah, or the queen. <laughs> Matt, yeah, fuck you, Paul W. N. <laughs> um, Spencer's character is infected by the liquor, where it's uh, hinted at that he will be taken into the Nemesis program that fans of the much maligned sequel or Resident Evil 3, the video game, will know all about. And yeah, the film sets us up for a sequel as in the corniest way possible (laughs) (laughs) with Alice wandering out in, I want to say, a fucking tea towel <laughs> yeah yeah that weird and paper sh- dress <laughs> yeah and a shotgun into the ruins of a post-apocalyptic zombie raccoon city to yeah fuck shit I mean, up in the pre- future but you know what i think it captures the tone of the games very well and um i guess we can talk about that more later how about right now i'm gonna just say it i think this film does really well at capturing the tone of the games. Like, the dialogue of the games are fucking dreadful as it is, so there's not really a whole lot to um, have to work on to make it better. Um, I think this is an absolute 
stone cold turd. Yeah, fair to and, uh, <laughs> Let's have a bit of a discussion on the production to get to why. So initially, uh, Resident Evil was a mainstay of the PlayStation and PlayStation 2 era, specifically PlayStation it was one of the flagship titles and so when the rights were bought for the film around the time of resident evil 3 coming out in 99 there was a lot of talk about who would go on to direct this film Mm. zombie legend george a romero had actually was a massive influence on the tone style and aesthetics of the original games and so he was headhunted by Capcom, the producers, to direct a commercial of Resident Evil 2 when it came out. It was so successful in Japan that Capcom approached him about making a filmic interpretation of the series or just an initial Resident Evil film. Mm. And unfortunately, we did not get that. (laughs) It gets a bit murky about what happened. Uh, George Romero's script is available if you'd ever like to track it down. And amongst fans of the series, of both the film series and the games, it's a contentious subject with some people saying it's the best and some people saying it is in no way in the spirit of it. Uh, George Romero and his assistant played through the whole series of what was available at the time and delivered a project that... Uh, included a lot of Resident Evil 1, including the characters, but George A. Romero was very uptight about the idea of working on something that wasn't his project. About this time, negotiations broke down with Capcom, with Capcom saying in an incredibly blunt interview for Games Monthly that his script was terrible (laughs) and we decided to not pursue it. George A.O. Romero is a bit more uptight, saying that it was a mutual decision, but it would have definitely been interesting to see what he'd done with it, because his, I don't know, his output in that era of his career, it's not particularly great, but it really, like, you know, given a budget and a recognizable recognizable license underneath him, I think he could have turned in something incredibly serviceable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was what he did? What came out around then? Like Land of the Dead and Land of the Dead would be a few years later. Yeah, starring Australia's own Simon Baker, baby. Yeah, and uh, one of Hollywood's most cancelled people, AJ Argento. (laughs) I think a zombie's eating your baby. (laughs) Around this time, the rights would fall into the hands of. German schlockmeister's Constantine Films. Now, Constantine Films we've touched on before during our Blade series in that the rights to Fantastic Four, the Marvel property, still somehow belong to Constantine Films and are almost single-handedly keeping them afloat. They're responsible for four of the top 15 German films of all time at the box office most notably art house film christian f uh oscar winner downfall i mean i feel like downfall 
doesn't count. That likes that's like saying American film Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just yeah, good point. Uh, my personal favorite German film as well, the Beta Meinhof complex. But for every Beta Meinhof complex, they have got some of the schlockiest trash. I think the closest you could come in terms of what Constantine films was during the 90s and early 2000s would probably be canon films throughout the 80s. Yeah, right. Just absolute schlockmeisters. Das ist very schlocky, ja. Ja, I must get back to Stuttgart to see Kraftwerk at Disco Bergheim. It was kicked around for a few years after. There was a script by uh, Tony McElroy who wrote the Spawn film. Oh, good choice to not work with him, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know how real this is, but I also found evidence that there was apparently a Kevin Williamson of Scream fame wrote an early draft. Oh, wow, that would have been cool. This is from a single source. I don't know how real it actually is. The rights to this film kind of kicked around for a bit until uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, who at the time bombed after doing <laughs> bombed with the film soldier after directing what at the time was the largest video game adaptation franchise the mortal kombat films he was he'd just done the first mortal kombat the 1995 which was a breakout hit mm. and then off the bat of that he was able to turn that into a little film we like to call soldier no, the oh, the, Ben the Horizon, good one. yeah, yes. <laughs> I like I like Soldier. I think it's fun. <laughs> Later to be covered on this podcast, of course, Event Horizon, one of the greatest action horror films, if not the greatest action horror film of it's, all time. It's 1997's Event Horizon was a massive success at the box office. However, Anderson of British descent had a lot of issues in Hollywood making this film with almost 40 minutes ending up on the editing room floor, which after a warehouse fire, we are never going to get to see the light of day. We'll his, find him. I hope. Yeah, hope. His, his R-rated Event Horizon is one of the great lost films of the 20th century. I mean, it's already pretty gnarly. <laughs> it's it's like... fucking gnarly as hell. It fucking <laughs> rocks. And when it ends, funky <laughs> shit by the Prodigy place. Oh my god. <laughs> I just want to fucking just go. Ugh. Old friend of Mars, Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson, had already written a script for Resident Evil. He had played a copy of the game and had become a fan of it and wrote his own treatment for a rip-off script called Undead. Undead. Um, <laughs> so I feel like when he was approached, he literally probably just went to the shelf and blew off some dust on like a big <laughs> and- Well, I think he had plenty of dust going on because Soldier from 1998 had bombed massively making only 18 million back off its 60 million dollar budget. I like Soldier. Yeah, you already said it. I have never seen it. it. That's a David Peoples script, um the Blade Runner writer. Yeah, it's with... like in the Blade Runner universe. Um, I, I I hear it's not bad actually. I like it, man. It's fun. No one was coming calling for Paul W Anderson <laughs> yeah. at this time. 
Except, knock, knock, das ist Konstantin Film. <laughs> we have a very interesting proposition for you. <laughs> Would you like to direct House of Video? No, wait. That's <laughs> a wrong movie. <laughs> um, you direct Resident Evil, yeah? <laughs> and we're all the better for it. Um, <laughs> uh, this would be the first film of the franchise that Paul W.S. Anderson would direct. And this franchise would go on to be like a fucking billion dollar grossing franchise. It's insane how big these movies are despite nobody seeing them, I feel. <laughs> it's it's interesting as well because at the time, Resident Evil was kind of a precarious prospect. They were successful video games, but Mortal Kombat had been the only, at this point, successful video game adaptation at the box office. So it made sense for Paul W. Anderson to come on board. However, even though he was working with non-Hollywood productions uh, at his own choice, a lot of this film was shot in Berlin and London, the budget is literally half what he had on Event Horizon and Soldier. It's 30 million as opposed to 60 million. And it fucking shows, man. This movie looks like shit at times. Yeah, yeah. The, the special effects have not held up, which is crazy because I hate to bring it back to Event Horizon, but that movie still looks fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this is literally shot in a combination of abandoned subway tunnels in Berlin mixed with leftover sets from Jude Law's Enemy at the Gate. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I feel like the producers were trying to make a comment about the constant backtracking or like similar locations of video games as you wander about. But this film is dizzying in how every location looks exactly the same as the last. I watched a bit of the director's commentary in which they pointed out that the pneumatic doors that they're constantly moving through to get from one one location to the other that smash close behind them it's a single door that they just filmed from different angles 12 different times <laughs> for 12 different locations in the film the budget was non-existent yeah and look at what amazing things you can do with a small budget and a dedicated crew. <laughs> and a vision, Sean. <laughs> Speaking of dedicated crews, I think something that really stuck out for me throughout this film is, in terms of Anderson's choices, is that he is absolutely rinsed on the director's commentary by Michelle Rodriguez and his now wife, uh, Mila Jolovich, for handing out copies of Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass to all of the the actors on the film and insisting that this film would be a reimagining of that tale with Alice, <laughs> of course, playing Alice, the Red Queen uh, as the bad guy. And then he just abandoned that by the time shooting happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing? Ah, uh, forget about it. <laughs> that guy's the most outrageous big eyebrows. How come yes, you guys did that himself, personally? <laughs> How come you guys don't mention that we were all supposed to be characters of the, of, of, what was it, uh, Alice in Wonderland? Well, well you at little... first, you know, really. we wanted to, like, yeah, Paul, yeah, it was you. You gave well, us all the books, the Alice idea, in Wonderland books. Alice. The idea of... 
And then all of a sudden you ditch the idea. The no, 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 no. We had Tweedledum, Tweedledee, the rabbits right there. Look at him, he's always worried about time. Then Alice, of course. Well, I mean, you were Tweedledum. I was Tweedledee. <laughs> I was Tweedledee. JD was Tweedledum. JD was Tweedledum. Of course, you better stop it before I shove your head under my armpits. I didn't win. Yeah, so the soundtrack was released on Roadrunner Records. It is one of our favorite types of soundtrack. We're not talking about Hans Zimmer, we're talking about music from and inspired by the film Resident Evil. The soundtrack has a whole bunch of. Marilyn Manson and Cold Chamber, Crystal Method. It's quite a lot of um, remixes of new metal bands' big singles at the time. Uh, yeah, it's on got everything that, on Marilyn there. Marilyn Manson got... contributes to the theme. Yeah, there, a big deal was made at the time that Marco Beltrami, fresh off being Oscar-nominated for his Scream score, was working side-by-side side with Marilyn Manson uh, Marilyn Manson coming off Mechanical Animals at this time. It was it was a big deal, and Marilyn Manson said that this was the the angle he was looking to move into with his music was working, uh, scoring films. Uh, they were brought on by Paul W. Anderson, who was looking for a John Carpenter for the twenty first century vibe. So the films industrial metal and electronic music is extremely minimal but it's grating it's harsh it's abrasive this would be the only time that marilyn manson would work on a film score which seems like a shame based on how excited he was at the time and it the soundtrack i feel holds up it's it's great it works well with this film yeah for sure i mean it's um definitely one of those great inspired by albums where everything is a drum and bass remix of a new metal song it, much in the vein same vein as spawn or um blade 2 there's that really weird depeche mode cover of a stooges song on it really um, that's yeah. awesome yeah and, um, also method man's release yo delph prodigy mix was oh right uh, okay a Fabric Live mix I had for Liam Howlett when I was a teenager that informed a lot of my music taste. I'm yes, a sweet. huge <laughs> fan of that remix. Um, How much does this cost to buy, Al? Oh, yeah. Uh, on Discogs, um, the highest listed price I could see for it was $345. So if you have a spare $345 and feel like buying a Resident Evil soundtrack that's in mint condition then subscribe to our patreon (laughs) (laughs) look sean the time has come for us to recite the great poetry of new metal movies if you can hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools i shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence two roads diverged in a wood everybody judge by the fucker face you may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll arrive. I guess we found out his weakness. Bullets. And now, for the great poetry of new metal cinema. Do you have a favorite quote from this film? Yeah, are you ready for it? Yes. This one cracked me up the most. It's annoyed grunt there are no fucking even pieces of dialogue in this film 
Roger Ebert said it best when he said that this film is entirely barked commands, yeah. grunts, and just <laughs> yeah. like exclamations of pain. Yeah. There is, I had nothing here. I'm sorry. No, fair enough. Look, I love this movie, but I also I agree with Sean. There is no memorable di- dialogue to this film. It, it is literally just like, close the door! <laughs> <laughs> Alice, the main character, is never even referred to by her name. You only find out her name is Alice in the credits. Like, yeah. this film's like script was probably just like a smiley face and like... Uh, an arrow pointing towards a door. <laughs> yeah, a nanganator. <laughs> I think maybe it's like intentionally minimal, so we fill in the spots. Because you know, sometimes the best movie, the best things are implications, and you imagine. Yeah, I could have done that at home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sean. So we've recited the greatest poetry of new metal. We've talked about the soundtrack, the production. And kind of recapped what plot there is. Um, now is the all-important bodies hit the floor school. The bodies hit the floor school. The bodies hit the floor school. One. You get one body. <laughs> a sickening thud of a body, uh, which was me hitting the pillow ten seconds after watching this film aggravated that I had watched it. <laughs> and fair enough. I, I'm giving it three, but uh, as Sean said, rose-tinted binoculars probably helped. And also, I just thought it did really well in capturing the tone of the games and how lousy the plots are <laughs> of the games. <laughs> and I just thought it was like a real well-done, not homage, but replica of... The, like, if if you were going to make these games into a movie, like, how would you do it? Like, <laughs> Well, that's you'd... something I kind of wanted to touch on a bit before we finish up on the subject, is that... This film was released in March of 2002 with DVD and VHS copies of the film going on sale by July. Uh, A little other thing happened in 2002, but not till the end of the year in November, which was the release of Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later, which absolutely shook the zombie genre to its core and would influence everything that came afterward including quite a considerable amount of the resident evil franchise it's Mm. it's hard to say that if this film had waited an extra year to go into production would this film look the same would they have gone with paul w anderson's original script would there have been massive changes made i feel like because the fact that it was able to cement its place in the pop cultural landscape before everything was shifted on its head, people have fond memories of this film. Mm. And that's what led to sequel after sequel after sequel. If this film had come out a year later as the same film, it would have sunk without a trace. Yeah, fair enough. And look, I think you're right. What I do enjoy about this film, though, is that it's never ironic. Like, there's no, like, winks. <laughs> it's all just done so schlockily straight-faced, and that just makes me enjoy it so much more. Like, I, it's just a good, dumb piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> How many bodies, Al? Oh, man, I'm going to give it three. Like, I still enjoyed it. 
like I had a real ball watching it. <laughs> it's up on YouTube if you guys are interested. You might have to deal with Indonesian subtitles, but that's how I you... watched it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I was that close to renting it off YouTube, and then I just saw like the free version <laughs> with Indonesian subtitles underneath. I was like, "Yeah, baby, I'm there." <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, look before we get stuck into telling people about where they can find us should we let people know what's going to happen with the next episode for the resident evil films i think we should look there's five separate sequels to this film in the past we've covered sequels of the blade franchise but we're not going to subject you to five individual episodes on each film in this franchise with increasingly diminishing returns. Mm. We're going to bring our friends along to do it for <laughs> us. Should we uh, reveal here that we didn't actually watch any of the sequels? Correct. Yeah. We have not watched a single sequel to these films. We are we outsourced our work. <laughs> We've outsourced our work to the best, the brightest. Our favourite orators to pitch yes. to us these films we're talking resident evil tank you're gonna love it we've had tons of fun recording it we've had tons of fun putting it together it's gonna be a hoot it's gonna be a holler bring the wife bring the kids bring your sister bring your parents it's gonna be a free-for-all it's gonna be a lot of fun before we go sean if people want to take a look around at our websites do you know where they can follow us on the internet yeah, all the Twitters. I know them. <laughs> We're Take A Look Pod on Twitter. On Instagram is Take A Look Around Pod. Facebook, if you're a million years old, is Take A Look Around the Podcast. We will be putting up playlists on Spotify as well that will be linked to on those. We also have a Patreon where we are currently uh, releasing bonus episodes. Every month is a new mini-series. We are just wrapping up on Who Are You, the story of Uwe Boll, mm. and uh, we're very <laughs> much looking forward to uh, the coming months as we, as we look at kind of films and miniseries with a periphery to the f- everything that we talk about on, on the main feed. It, it's, it's definitely worth a hoot. Uh, you can track down some unlocked copies of previous productions we've done on the main feed every three weeks. Have a listen. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, man. It's worth the price of admission alone. The amount of free stuff we give you cheapskates. Put a little money back into our pockets, you <laughs> bums. <laughs> well, Sean, until next week, I hope you reside evilly. I'm going to see you all next week for Resident Evil Tank. 